Hello everyone, this is Carmen from First United Land Transfer, and today we are here with a special guest, um, a person that will leave you feeling inspired, motivated, a story of great success, and someone who had to struggle to reach a certain level of success, the success that we're all looking for. So I'm gonna introduce our friend Nelson and he's going to tell us a bit about himself. Okay, sure. How are you, Nelson? Well, hi, Carmen. <laughs> Thank you for the invitation. Of course. And uh, I'll try to do my best to inspire those that are gonna be watching this. So, you know. I'm sure you'll um, do great. I'm originally from Cuba and uh, I left Cuba uh, when I was 13 years old, that was back in 1970. So now you can compute my age, you know how old I am. So You're 35. <laughs> thank you. <laughs> so um, I left Cuba. Uh, Cuba was under the communist regime of Castro. Mm -hmm. And I was uh, the oldest of uh, two brothers and one sister. Uh, my Being the oldest, my father wanted to get me uh, out of Cuba, and the fastest way of doing that was through Spain, which was uh, costly. Uh, it wasn't a direct flight, obviously, here. So um, my father approached me, asked me if I was willing to go to Spain uh, when I was 13, uh, something that I saw as, uh, as an adventure. Uh, I had never been on a plane, and uh, you know, I was excited actually to mm -hmm. do that. And obviously, my response was yes. You know, I'll do that. So wait, your father, his great idea to escape communism, was to ship you off to a completely foreign country, as a thirteen-year-old. Yes. I have a thirteen-year-old son, and I don't think I would let him go to the corner store by himself how does a 13 year old make it out of cuba on his own and where exactly did you go in spain well just the the reason for that uh, at 15 when you turn 15 and you're still in cuba uh you become military age so you be you get drafted and you're not allowed to leave the country until you're 27 years old so being the oldest my father was trying to gain some time by getting, you know, getting me out of the country uh, because then he gained another six years. You know, my brother right. was six years younger, mm -hmm. so that's what he was trying to do. And, and that's the reason for, you know, being sent to Spain. Who did you know in Spain? I didn't know anybody, anyone. Um, so I arrived in, to Spain. I didn't have no family there, but the uh, Catholic Church uh, had a camp. Uh, where they put um, uh, all the kids like me. I wasn't the only one living this way. Actually, there was children leaving Cuba on a weekly basis. Like a refugee. Exactly. So we were in, 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 a, in a camp uh, that wasn't being used by the Spaniards in the winter because there was actually no heat and no hot water. <laughs> so they allow us to stay there. Uh, so... Uh, Arriving uh, to Spain, it was uh, very, uh, you know, I guess emotional. You know, mm -hmm. I had not seen, number one, I had never been on a plane and never, you know, and especially for eight hours. Mm -hmm. uh, and then arriving to uh, Madrid, a huge airport like uh, JFK, mm -hmm. uh, I was completely bewildered by what I was seeing. Uh, there, there was a gentleman. 
uh, representing the uh, Catholic Church that, you know, waited for us. There was uh, another five kids, I think, that uh, were on that flight with me. So we were taken, and uh, we met the, um, the priest that actually was responsible for the program. And after visiting with him, we went to this camp that was about an hour by train from Madrid. Uh, so there I spent several months uh, waiting uh, for my family here in the United States to do all the paperwork and do everything, uh, go through all the uh, requirements of immigration to, to bring me here. Who, um, how did you communicate with your parents back in Cuba, with your family members that I assume you had never met who lived in the United States, right? I mean, back when this happened, there was no such thing as cell phones or smartphones. So you're a baby practically at 13. Where do you carry the information? Well, uh, obviously communication with my parents was very rare. I, I think maybe in Spain, maybe I talked to my parents maybe twice during the whole time. And, and the same thing was with my family here in the United States, you know, I should say, mm -hmm. you know, there was no cell phones and it was just <laughs> landlines. You got and a piece of paper with a phone number and La Tia Lola yes. written on it, you know, and you're supposed to be responsible at 13, you know, acting like an adult who's really Ex on, on a mission. Exactly, exactly. And that's part of the whole experience. Uh, but to answer your question, uh, you know, I had a lot of free time in my hands when I was in Spain, mm -hmm. so I wrote a lot of letters to my parents. So uh, that was basically the main form of uh, communication uh, between me and, and, and my parents in Cuba during that time. How do you end up in the United States? Well, um, m my father had uh, already, uh, let's see, two brothers and a sister that lived here in the United States that had left Cuba back in the mid-60s. Uh, so they were already established here. And uh, my oldest aunt, uh, Belinda, uh, she lived in Indianapolis, Indiana. And she was basically the one that coordinated everything uh, and did everything that was required to bring me over. So I went to live with her. At what age now? Uh, I was uh, still 13, uh, almost 14. Okay. Um, so I went to live with my aunt, uh, Belinda, and my uncle, uh, Amado, which, you know, it was second parents to me, obviously. Mm -hmm. And uh, I went to live in Indianapolis, Indiana. Uh, so that was a rude awakening, you know, being in a place where uh, there were no immigrants. Mm -hmm. uh, I was the only immigrant in, in the uh, junior high. Did you speak the language by I then? I did not. I did not mm -hmm. speak the language. And um, I started, I got there in, in June, and uh, my aunt was a Spanish teacher. So she was able to get me into summer school. And I started summer school with the purpose of 
yes. accelerating mm-hmm. uh, my, you know, uh, learning English. of the English right. language. So you took ESL over the summer, English as a second no, language? No, that was no ESL back then. There was no ESL in Indianapolis, Indiana, with only one immigrant I in the entire imagine. school. I can't imagine. So you lucked out. It was almost like the, the stars aligned for you. You come here, you are escaping communism, you go first to one country where you're alone, but at least you can understand the people, right? And then from there, you're here in the United States, and now it's a completely new experience where you don't speak the language. Exactly. You, you know, you probably looked like a frail little Cuban boy, right? That was very Were thing. the kids <laughs> nice to you? Were they kind? Did they take you in? Actually, that is funny. Uh, you know, the, the kids in Indianapolis, Indiana, being, even though I didn't speak the language, I, uh, I was treated as a, as a movie star. So <laughs> it wa- I was very well received. I had a lot of friends, people that just wanted to hang ar- around with me, even though I couldn't communicate right. with them. I even had a girlfriend actually wow. <laughs> <laughs> make your father proud back yes. in it, you know so Cuba. um now talking about the receiving point and i, I want to make this uh when i f- first arrived to spain to this camp there was around 50 kids you know that change and varies between 40 to 70 depending because as every week new ones will come in Mm-hmm. The old, you know, there were all the ones that were coming to the United States. Um, so when I arrived there, uh, that first week was very difficult. You know, we were bullied constantly. We were uh, by the ones there. We were, you know, we had a, a uh, the captain of uh, the table when we had dinner, and that come uh, that. Uh, captain, you know, decided whether you were going to eat or not. or At they, school? At that camp, yes. Oh, my. So it was intense mm-hmm. bullying that first week. It was almost like hazing, yeah. you know, being admitted into the, into the group. But that quickly passed when the new ones came in the following w- week. And then now you were part of the, cool the old guard, crowd, of course, doing the <laughs> bullying and doing the hazing, and oh. so. Well, I hope you learned something from that. And that, you uh, know, bullying is is such a big, you know, topic nowadays. Yes. With yeah. but you experience that now. How long before your parents make it into the United States? Well, I live with my aunts for her, uh, an uncle for several months and uh, that uh, they were well established they lived in, um, you know in a in a um, ranch home in the outskirts of the city of Indianapolis mm-hmm. and I lived there until my parents came so I, I moved to Miami to live with them so here it was a very big shock in in the conditions of where I was, uh, you know, living the the uh, middle class, mm-hmm. the suburban, know, suburban home. The, yeah. So now I went to live in Miami in a one-bedroom apartment. It was five of us. I live. Uh, I slept with my brother in in, in small bed, and but it's lived. almost like a thing, right? Where like 
Cubans, if you're from Cuba, you have to live in Miami yeah, or like somewhere. Yeah, it seems that way. <laughs> you have to do your time like right in Miami. You do, even though if you move on. <laughs> so, uh, so yeah, that that require a big adjustment. You know, now we lived in you know not such a uh, good area. We were uh, a mile from the Miami International Airport, so now you can mm-hmm. imagine the 747s. Uh, Bussing by, uh, you know, every couple minutes or so. No sleeping in that house. So it, it was very, it was a difficult mm-hmm. transition. Uh, but, you know, and you, you stayed. Adjust. You stayed in Florida until you were. There we were. In, in Florida, we were there a very short time. Conditions, I was back in now uh, 71. And economically, Miami, you know, at least for my father, wasn't doing very well. Uh, we didn't have, you know, like I said, we lived in a one-bedroom apartment. It was five of us, no cars, uh, you, you know. So we ended up moving to um, Vineland in South Jersey. Okay. Uh, there was uh, work there for my parents. Uh, he had a cousin, and that's who basically... Uh, allow us to move with him. Uh, Your father, even though you guys had come, you know, you came so young, by now I'm assuming by the time you're in New Jersey, your brother's already here as well. And he started to encourage you to go to school, to get an education, a career, because you weren't, you didn't start out as an investor. Uh, That is correct. Uh, um, My parents, uh, they they value education uh, and they encouraged, you know, all of us, us three, to go to college, get educated. It was the means of getting ahead financially, Mm -hmm. okay? And, uh, you know, all the time, uh, my father had two jobs. He was, he worked in a, in a food factory, mm-hmm. but he also was a handyman uh, working for investors like <laughs> me now. Uh, and um, I was his helper. I worked with him after school. I worked with him on weekends. And uh, little did I know that that was going to be the basis of uh, of uh, well, at least part of the basis of what I did. But going back, yes, you know, I, I my parents uh, created an expectation mm-hmm. for me to go to college, to get educated, and for me to see that as a way of climbing the uh, financial ladder. And you got a and you got a bachelor's degree in what? Uh, yes, I, I uh, ended up in, uh, going to Rutgers uh, University, the School of Engineering. Uh, so I graduated as a civil engineer in New Brunswick. Uh-huh. So I graduated as, as a civil engineer in um, 1979. Good for you. Uh, right after that, uh, you know, my wife had not finished uh, school yet because I would, you know, we got married before we finished school. So. I decided to start my master's in civil engineering as I waited, you know, for her to finish. Right. Okay. Now, uh, so that is basically the answer. Yes, I did not start as a real estate investor. I started as a civil engineer. That was my profession. You got your engineering degree and then ended up in the Lehigh Valley. 
And uh, who did, did you work happen? for? Yeah. Well, let me, before I said that, uh, shortly after uh, I graduated, I uh, wanted to buy a property. I didn't want to pay rent. So the only thing that I could afford was a two-family house, which needed a lot of work. Mm. And uh, that was my first investment property. Uh, I remodeled the first apartment uh, to be able to rent it mm -hmm. and get money coming in. Uh, the mortgage was 17% interest. Uh, back what? in 1981, that uh, at, during the oil embargo and uh, high inflation, mm -hmm. and then they start raising the rates, and that was another lesson that I learned. I didn't have a cap in my uh, sales contract, mm -hmm. so I closed at 17%. Wow. But actually, I'm glad that I didn't have a cap because that gave me, number one, I started to learn the business, and also that property I flipped a year later, and I made more money in that flip that I made as an engineer for an entire year. You you caught on pretty quickly nowadays. You know when the younger generation goes to want to buy these you know these big houses i hear so often you know people educating them no buy you know a, a buy level or buy like a, a duplex where you can have the income and now you know right. with one rental property it probably co you know covers their entire mortgage exactly. you didn't even have somebody guiding you no. you just kind of figured this is the smart way for me to live yes. and make money and also it was out of necessity because yeah. I couldn't buy a house on my own with those interest rate. You know, I didn't want to put myself in a situation that everything I made was just to pay a mortgage. Mm -hmm. So this was a way uh, to really uh, lower my monthly uh, expenses mm -hmm. by having a tenant. So it wasn't really, at the beginning, that much of an idea, I'm starting as an investor, but I started as of need mm -hmm. to do that. Uh, it was after I flipped the house and made that money that, you know, I decided this is a good way of making money. This mm -hmm. is, uh, and I liked it. Uh, so, uh, and the other thing that also, uh, allow me to, to learn was I didn't know that I was so handy. So all that work that I did with my father as a helper mm -hmm. became very uh, useful as I repaired that house, which, you know, between my wife and I did. Mm -hmm. And uh, so I did everything there from carpentry to plumbing to electric to laying tiles, the works. And um, I, I think it's a good time for me to say this now. Even though my parents didn't leave me any money, you know, they really provide me the tools mm -hmm. to be able to do what I do now. Number one, 
pushed me to get educated, mm -hmm. to get an education that allowed me to get the money to be able to make the investment into the properties. And then having worked with him, I learned how to do the work myself mm -hmm. and use the tools. So yes, you know, even though he didn't leave me money, he he, he gave me something more than greater that, than that. Than yeah. That. Yes. Yeah. Well, we say there's a, a saying out there, you know, you can lead, you can either give someone a fish and they can eat it that one day, or mm -hmm. you can teach them how to fish and they'll have food for a lifetime, right? Mm -hmm. So for you, need led you to create an opportunity for yourself. Exactly. And you were now finding yourself thinking outside of the box and thinking about your future, mm -hmm. right? So you left your job as an engineer. Yes, yes. Uh, basically, you know, after I flipped that first house and, and I said, wow, this is great. I like doing this. And uh, the first thing I did, I dropped out of my master's program. I needed that time to go and work on houses. <laughs> you, you know, that those evenings of studying, Yeah, I needed to do work. So that was the beginning of my career as an investor. And, and yes, to answer, going back to what you asked me, um, uh, the reason I came uh, to this area, to Allentown, that was back in 1982, okay? I already had quite a few rentals uh, in New Jersey. Um, in New Jersey as well. So it was- Well, I started in New Jersey. Yeah. That's actually, and I started buying in South Jersey because I started this business with a very good friend of mine, and uh, we his, he went to law school, mm -hmm. he became a lawyer, and I was the engineer. So between us, we bought quite a few homes and we flipped quite a few homes in mm -hmm. South Jersey. There's something great that I have to point out. So I met you at a settlement, and the buyers for the property because obviously you're the seller right you've been selling a few homes since mm -hmm. especially since you know the pandemic started i think it's become the a great time for people to get rid of a few properties right so one of the things that kind of that i really enjoyed being a part of was that your first and the second settlement we did together the buyers were already your tenants so yes. you started this kind of pattern of, you know, creating homes that your tenants would eventually want to purchase. So kind of like a rent to buy. Correct. And how, how did that happen? It, was that on purpose? Uh, well, I, when I first started and before I was flipping properties here in, in Allentown, after I moved from New Jersey, which I did because I started working as an engineer for PPNL. Uh, I was a project manager in the nuclear department, and I worked doing that for over 20 years. At the same time, I was buying properties and doing all that work. Going back, I don't know how I you know, got the time or managed mm -hmm. to do that. But I, as a landlord, what I noticed was that I would lose my best tenants uh, because they wanted to buy their own home. Of course. You, you know, so I realized, wow. It would be really nice if I continue to flip houses here in Allentown and then I can sell them. You know, I can buy the property, fix the property, 
and then help the tenant get a mortgage and get them to buy the house. Obviously, like I said, I knew who the best tenants are. Right. And I knew they would qualify. You know, it was most likely mm-hmm. they would qualify. So I will focus on those and I will ask them if they wanted to buy and have their own home. So you were giving them an opportunity as well. So correct. So <coughs> I already knew the kind of houses that they were looking for, how many bedrooms, you know, because I will ask them to uh, describe the home that they want to buy. So as I was fixing homes and I had this going all the time, I already knew pretty much who the prospective buyer <coughs> was going to be, you know, because if I was, you know, fixing a three-bedroom, I already knew, you know, which of the tenants wanted a three-bedroom. Of course. So I would offer it to them. The house was renovated. It was ready, you know. And besides that, I helped them go through all the the different stages of being a homeowner. Many of them I took through the... Uh, NHS program uh, yes. for first-time home buyers. Uh, they went through the school. They get you know. So during that whole process, I got them prepared. You educate them to you know so that they can apply for a mortgage and you know and buy my house. So that that's really how that started. Uh, so at that point, uh, it was mostly. Flipping the houses, mm-hmm. you know, buy them, fix them, sell them. Uh, but then I also accumulated mm-hmm. those, you know, single families uh, that um, became rentals, and mm-hmm. they're still rentals. I want to ask you the craziest question. From 1981 till 2022, I can't even imagine how many homes you have flipped, you have bought, you have kept. All the way from Pennsylvania to South Jersey to Miami, Mi- Miami as well. Yes. Yeah, that's that's a lot to accomplish. How how do you n- number one? How do how do you manage all of the properties? Who is part of your team, and how do you build a team that you can trust, right? Because you're only one person, and that they can help you maintain all your properties, mm-hmm. help you find the right people, and also help you, you know, passing it forward to your, your tenants that you're trying to prepare in terms of getting a mortgage. And Yes. Well, at the beginning, I was uh, pretty much a, a one-man band. Oh. You know, I had to do it all. I would even <laughs> help my uh, lender to pre-qualify my tenants. Mm-hmm. So, but uh, as the business grew and, and I kept buying more properties, basically, I real, you know, I realized that the key to, to keeping all these things going was to have a good team around mm-hmm. you, uh, starting with the, uh, uh, the, the sales agent, you know, uh, work with uh, uh, Craig Sheridan. Uh, which I purchased, I would say, probably 90% of my homes with him. He knew exactly what I was looking for and the type of property that I would buy, where, you know. So he he read me completely. So it was pretty easy, you know. Mm -hmm. Uh, He would do the homework and find me the properties, which it was very rare that I said, no, not that one. So when he called me, Mm -hmm. it was pretty much, yeah, 
that that, look, you knew that one looks good. <laughs> so having, you know, the 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 agent, having the lender, you know, I uh, currently work with American Bank in Univest. Uh, back then, uh, you know, I started with Patriot Bank that became Susquehanna, which became BBNT. Anyway, now also um, having a, a good closing agent as part of your team is also essential. Uh, so, so having those pieces working as a as a well oil machine mm -hmm. uh, makes it very. Uh, easy the secret to your success you'd say I, I would say yes yes the whole thing having that, that team and, and remember I used to work eight hours a day uh, but it required very little uh, time and effort from me once I just made the decision yes I'm gonna buy the house that automatically went to the lender that went to the closing company and it was really the, the uh, sales agent, the real estate agent, that made that, uh, say, that wheel right. starting to turn. And it didn't really require any of my time. Uh, then Back then, when, when all those people were working, I already had uh, people, uh, contractors, that did the renovations. So I wasn't doing that anymore. I, I couldn't. So it was also part of that team. What, what is the message you want to send out to, number one, realtors, investors, um, immigrants overall, right? Because we, I mean, you, most immigrants, I'm an immigrant, haven't experienced what you've experienced in your life. You know, they haven't had to escape a communist country or, and there are some who have. Right. And mm -hmm. they're still pushing along. But I guess what is what was it that drove you and how have you maintained so that, you know, they can hopefully look at you and say, well, if Nelson can do it. Yeah, I, I think those experiences, if you look, you know, maybe people will concentrate on the on, on the negative of that situation. But in reality, if you focus on the positive is it, it was an experience. It was a learning experience. Number one, at thirteen, I, I was really already a man. You know, I wow. didn't I didn't have I don't recall having a teenage time period. You weren't coddled. I think a lot of you know the kids now. We look at them and in comparison, you you probably think, my God, I was so mature at that age. But you were thrown out into the world, and you didn't have a mommy and daddy yeah. running behind you, making sure that you didn't fall, you didn't scrape your knees, you know. Well, that that's another thing that I used to to raise my own kids. I, I was always very independent since I was very little. I had. A big family around me, so I would spend time with my grandparents, and you know, uh, at their house. I, you know, my my aunt would take me to vacation. I was being, you know, out of my house for a whole month, mm -hmm. so I was already a very independent little kid, and you know, they could take me anywhere, and I wasn't, you know, uh, calling for my mommy and daddy. Yeah. And, and, and that helped me in, in, in that transition when I found myself alone at 13. So, so 
again, that's a message I would say for parents, you know, make your children independent, okay? That's really, in, in my mind, that's what I use. I say, as a parent, what is my role as a parent? My role as a parent is not to give my kids everything they want, mm. but is to make them as independent as possible so that in the event that I'm not around, they can continue to move on Teach without me. Fish. That's right, yeah. So, so I think that's part of the message, I think, as a parent. Um, also, uh, you know, to parents, uh, is make sure that you encourage your kids uh, to get educated. You know, for the most part, I think education will give you that bridge, mm -hmm. you know, mm -hmm. to move up in the financial ladder. I, I'm a big fan of, you know, I tell my children that college is not negotiable at home. However, I will say, I think that education and, you know, getting educated now has different realms, for mm -hmm. lack of a better term, because not everybody can go to college. Not everybody is made to go to college. But if you can't go to college, I think there should definitely be a trait, a specialty, something that you can hone for yourself because everybody can do something. Yes, and, and, and you're completely, you're right on what you're saying. You know, not everybody is made to go to college. But I think, and this also is a message for the parents, say, oh, you have to go to college. I don't think that's really what you want to do. I think the main thing first is to know the strengths of your ch children. Yes. Okay? You know, if there's a kid that for whatever reason, they were just born that they don't like school, well, find the strengths. So... Don't push them to be in college, but push them to utilize the strengths that they have to be able to be successful. Yes. Nelson, this has been a great time talking to you. Is there anything else that you would like to share, something that, you know, will be impactful, not that you haven't been? Because I think everything about your story is has so many lessons for us to learn, right? But is there anything else that you want to share that we haven't covered that hasn't come up? No, I, I think, uh, again, I, the main message that I try to give now is, again, what I mentioned about the parents, education, the way of moving up, and try to look at the positive part of your experience. Mm -hmm. Because not, you know, maybe even though you think it may be bad, and I thought maybe at that time when I got there and I got beat up in Spain, but there's a positive uh, theme that you can draw from from that. So, uh, and, and also that um, don't feel like a victim just because you're in this country you don't know the language and you, you you know maybe you don't have the money you're going through difficult times don't view yourself as a victim but use it to your advantage uh, because 
I, I think the opportunities are, are still here. Mm-hmm. That's what I tell my kids. To be able to get ahead if you're willing to work hard. Right. You know, uh, love what you do is very important, mm-hmm. okay? Mm-hmm. Because then it won't feel like a job. And that's something, and I add that, you know, my wife didn't understand why I worked so much. I said, how can you just work so much in this house? I said, well, listen, the part that you don't understand is I don't view this as work. This is just a hobby. Mm-hmm. It just happens to make me money. <laughs> That's good. So, well, and you and you know, for you, you've already gotten to the pinnacle of your success. You have done it all. I'm sure you took risks. I'm sure you were yeah. afraid at some point, but they say if it doesn't make you a little scared, then the risk is not that great, right? Yeah. But with great risk came great success for you. Thank you. You're welcome. Thank you for sitting with us and for sharing your story and inspiring us and for being such a important face in the Lehigh Valley because you have done so much. I think a lot of people know you here and a lot of people know what you've done. So that encourages everyone. So thank you. No, and welcome. I wish you much more success. Thank you.